Welcome to the Fuel Your Soul podcast. I'm Kay. And I'm Taylor. Kay and I are friends who are united in our passion for our Catholic faith, which is how this podcast came to be. Every Wednesday, we're talking all about faith, dating, friendships, career decisions, and more. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, wine, or a cocktail and get ready to fuel your soul. This is the Fuel Your Soul podcast. Hello, Fuel Your Soul, Soul Sisters. Welcome back to another episode. Um, I know you guys follow our Instagram and saw my healing um, a couple weeks ago, and we have that very special guest on. Yes, we do. So this is Kay, and you guys, today we have on the show Tim Jamison, and Tim has a really unique story. So when he was a kid, he asked God if he could receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he did. Um, I have a quote here from St. Catherine of Siena, and as we're recording this today, it is her feast day, and I think this quote really applies to Tim. So St. Catherine of Siena said, if you are what you should be, you will set the whole world ablaze. Um, and I think Tim's a great example of that. As I said, he is totally living out his faith and he's totally setting the world ablaze. So Tim, could you explain what it means to our listeners to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how you received those gifts? Sure. Um, the, the easiest way to do it is to start with the first sacrament, which is baptism. Every baptized Catholic has spiritual gifts, every single one. Um, we receive them when we are baptized, and we are baptized as priest, prophet, and king. And in that baptism, we're given by the Holy Spirit these gifts. Now, as a child, we don't know that we have them. And then later, we receive confirmation. Well, most people don't know why we're being confirmed. We're being confirmed in the Holy Spirit to strengthen those gifts so that we can die for the church. Literally, it was for martyrs. And there were so many young martyrs in the early church, young girls, young boys that were killed because um, they would not deny their faith. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given freely to every single human being that has ever been baptized. Um, and when I say baptized, that's in the Lutheran church, the Methodist church, any baptism in a Christian church. Mm. So what is it about your gifts then, I guess, that because you're more in tune with them. Like, can you describe what is unusual sure. about the gifts you have, sure. I guess? Yeah. When I was little, um, when I was 10 years old, my father was dying and um, there was a priest at our house and, and he was explaining the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to my dad. And I was on the steps and overheard their conversation. And he said that the gifts are given freely to everybody. We just have to learn how to activate them. And we all have them. You right now, everybody who's listening has gifts. And in fact, I can guarantee you, you all have one gift for sure. And that is the gift of speaking in tongues, because it is the base gift, the base foundational gift that everything is built upon. And when I, when he, my dad was talking to this priest, I went upstairs then and knelt down and said, Lord, I believe the priest and I believe in these gifts. So if it, you don't mind, I'd like to receive all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to receive them right now. Well, what happened was I was on my knees um, with a rosary praying for my dad and fell over. And um, I remember I couldn't, re couldn't touch my, my arms. And my legs were not working, but my eyes were. 
and all of a sudden I started speaking in tongues at 10 and seeing visions and knowing things and having, I mean, all kinds of knowledge and words of knowledge and all these gifts flooded into me. And um, at 10, of course, you have no idea what's going on. And it honestly, it scared me. It scared me horribly. And um, my dad ended up dying. And um, fast forward, I um, kind of got mad at God and uh, I didn't leave him. Um, I just didn't go to church and uh, for a long period of time. And then finally, uh, we started having children, came around and the gifts can, when a gift is given to you at baptism, it cannot be taken back. So the Holy Spirit cannot take back a gift. Now you have a choice whether or not to use it, right? And all gifts are to build up the kingdom of God, the church. And so that's what the gifts are talked about. They're in, if you read um, Acts of the Apostles, that's the perfect book. And then if you read um, John or Mark, it talks about it clearly in there that, you know, the apostles waited around in the upper room um, which is called the Seneca for uh, oh days and days and days until they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, then and only then did Jesus send them out because they were prepared with the Holy Spirit to go out two by two and to evangelize. And so I have the, I have the gift of reading souls. I have the gift of um, knowledge. I have the gift of um, understanding. I have the gift of wisdom. I have the gift of counsel. I have a, a gift of uh, speaking in tongues. Um, there's just so many, I have the gift of singing in tongues. Um, the, the list goes on and on and on. And then from these gifts are, there's virtues and then there's fruits from these virtues. So it just makes you become a, a more, um, full bodied Christian in the Catholic church. And so that you can reach out to more people. The whole key here is not about us. It's always about others. It's always, always about others. And he wants more and more people to be touched. So what age were you when you started using your gifts to help others? I'm embarrassed to answer this question, but I will. I'm 56 years old right now, and I was 50. And um, so the question obviously would be what happened from age 10 to age 50, right, for that 40-year period. Um, I could lie and, and make up something, but the reality is um, the truth is the truth, and that is um, I was a wimp. I was afraid. I was afraid of what people would think. I was afraid of what my friends might think. I was afraid of what my kids would get ridiculed in school out of fear. I mean, fear had me in bondage. And even though I knew all these gifts were given to me for others, I still did not share them. And finally, I don't know what happened, but when I turned 50, I literally, I just, something came upon me and I just don't care what people think of me anymore. I mean, they can laugh all they want. I mean, literally, I don't care. All I care about is what, our Lord thinks of me and my wife thinks of me. Oh, I love that. That is beautiful. Can you go into kind of what you have done or the healings um, that you've done or that Jesus has allowed you to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let me set the record straight there. Um, yes, I. he does use me in healings, but um, clearly I do nothing. I mean, he just, for whatever reason, chose to use my hands, right? And um, I can't make anything happen. And literally, it's all through him. And I can't. So if there's somebody who's sick and I want them to be healed, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. I have no control over it. So like if it was my own family members, I can't make that happen. It's all him. And um, one of the very first ones, I was called to a NICU unit, um, a children's NICU in a hospital. And there was a little girl um, 
and she was um, born with all kinds of terrible um, disorders and she was born without eyes and so she was blind obviously and she was born without an aorta and she was born with uh, two or three different lung diseases one kidney missing liver function problems and um, a bunch of club feet anyway long story short i just prayed with her and all i could really do was bless her and because there's so many tubes and the next day they were life flighting her over to omaha to children's hospital and when they landed uh, she opened her eyes that she did not have for the first three months of her life and, and the aorta that was missing was there and her lungs were clear and her kidney was there everything was fixed except for her feet <laughs> she still had club feet so that was kind of the uh, first bigger oh. one and then it just you know jump started to you know cancer and diabetes and you know missing parts of bodies and fingers that don't work and you know people that are lame and it just it, on and on and on um i can tell you as many as you'd like um so I, i'm not sure exactly you know if you want me to continue or yeah, what are some spiritual healings that you've done? Okay, let me explain that. Our Lord is very, very clear with this. Um, he, there's a spiritual healing, there is an emotional healing, and there's a physical healing. And in that order. So, And in the beginning, I screwed up, and I saw somebody with a broken leg, and so I focused in on the broken leg and was really praying hard for this, the physical healing. And finally, he said, you know, you have to realize that I would rather have my children come back broken, missing parts and lame and spiritually healed than not to come back at all. So the very most important healing is spiritual healing. And the first two, spiritual and emotional, you can't see. You have no idea if a person is healed. Only they know. And with the physical, it's more and it's like immediate. It's like vacuuming the carpet. You can see the lines. And so as a human and being natural, that's what we look for. But what's most important truly is the spiritual and then um, the emotional side of things, because there's so much baggage. I mean, I deal with depression and anxiety people all the time, over and over and over. It's um, it's very prevalent. And the Bible's clear. It says you shall have no anxiety at all within you, none. But yet we do. So we know it's not of our Lord. So and we don't, you know. Mm-hmm. obviously we know where that comes from, but, um, but there's people that, I mean, everything from, you know, flesh eating spider bites to people dying in beds, bleeding out to, um, um, my spiritual director actually is father, um, Ricardo, father, John Ricardo. Um, some of your listeners will probably know who he is. And he, um, I was just on a retreat with him last week, actually. And during the meeting, in front of the Archbishop of Denver and many other priests, he had made the comment about being healed from depression a couple of years back. And then he said, and the, the man that God chose to use is sitting back there. And then he said my name. And I was so shooken up because he had never told me that, you know, all the times that we had met, he just never mentioned it. And, um, and then he went into his dep- depression and how deep it was and dark and, you know, everything. And, you know, so the Lord does things all the time and doesn't even let me know um, because I think because of spiritual pride, you know, I have to fight that constantly. And um, Father also had um, lesions in his throat, tumors, and he was going to have a surgery. And then 
speech pathology and um, PT afterwards. And um, one day I was with them and I just prayed. The Holy Spirit asked me to pray over him and I did. And the next day they were gone. Wow. So, Tim, did you first figure out that you could do this? Like, did Jesus just ask you to do it? Like, what? how did you first realize you could help heal people? You know, it's funny you say that because it, it didn't start. What started was conversation. It was um, it's a, something called a locution or a locutionist. It's when, and this has been happening for thousands of years in our church. It's when a person, a human, hears in um, our Lord or um, Jesus or Mary, and they actually communicate. Now, it can be audibly, like just like I'm hearing you, or it could be internal, inside your head. You hear the voices in your head. And he started speaking to me when I was real little, about 10, um, in my head, and asking me to grow and um, to do things. And I remember the first one was a, I was in a church, and he asked me to tell the man in front of me that his it, that Jesus had heard his prayers and that his son would be healed. Well, the man was by himself. He had no wedding ring on. He had no children with him. And so it was really a testing on my part to believe God. And so I thought, how can I do this? And so at the peace of Christ, I grabbed his hand and I said, I know you're going to probably think I'm crazy, but the reality of it is um, our Lord has asked me to tell you something. And I said, your son, he's heard your cries and your son will be healed. And then he literally came over the pew and hugged me and hugged me right during mass and wouldn't let me go. And uh, so it started that way and uh, just kept on going further and further. And now yeah. it's happened so much for, I mean, hundreds and hundreds. So I don't even, um, I expect the miracle. I don't think it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen because if it's God's will, it will happen. And if it's not God's will, he doesn't say no. He says not now. So when when you hear the the voices of the Holy Spirit, Jesus and God, and do you hear the Virgin Mary, I guess, too? Yes, I do. So they all have, do they have dis- the Trinity? Do they have distinct different voices or? They, yeah, they actually do. In fact, so much so that um, when you, let me give an example. Um, if your mother called you right now, you would know it's your mom without looking down and seeing the caller ID because you know your mom's voice. If your mom just won the lottery, she would be excited, right? And you would know that she was excited. Well, the same thing goes with um, if she's depressed or if she's hurt or saddened. And so I'm so familiar after 40 years of hearing them that I know where they're at. So I know when our Lord is um, you know, hurting for whatever it may be, most of the time it's abortion. He calls it river in, um, rivers of blood in the street. Mm-hmm. And you can hear the sorrow in his voice. So yeah. then it, it makes me yeah. sad. It's like hearing my dad, you know, or if they're you know happy, then it, it makes you happy. And um, you just get used to the voice and um, you know exactly who it is, you know. My, my, sheep, my sheep will hear my voice and they will know me and I will know them. That says in the Bible, very clear. Yeah. Over and over. That's what he's talking about. We're the sheep. Wow. And what about from a previous conversation, he actually does know the hairs on our head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, (laughs) You would think that he would be just interested in our soul, right? Our spiritual well-good, our spirituality. 
No, that's not the truth. He's interested in everything, including our health. I, um, I have a young man I work with and literally saying that, you know, Jesus knows every hair on our head. It's true. Um, he told me that this young man needed to switch out his toothbrush. Literally, he was at a camp a year ago, and he was getting sick and he didn't know why he was getting sick. And he was over and over while well, he was, the toothbrush had um, fungi on it, bacteria, and he was exposing himself to it constantly. And so sure enough, he switched out his toothbrush and was well. But so even the simple little things like that, I mean, it's just like crazy. And I, I can give you lists of that. I mean, it happens all the time. So. Yeah, I think it's still so crazy. So when you, the first time we talked, when you did my healing um, for my eating disorder and you said something along the lines of you'll begin to see yourself how Jesus does in the mirror. And I like looked, like I'm not even getting, like I look different like to myself. <laughs> like, and I know that sounds crazy, but I look different. It was just like, I don't know what was Because he healed the chemistry. It's, it was a chemical, what it is, it's a chemical imbalance in your head. And, and he can heal anything, right? He, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm, I've seen um, people with crippled arms and hands that don't work and haven't worked for years. And all of a sudden they start moving their fingers, right? On Boom, like right then. So it, um, it happens all the time, you know? And in your case, that was it. It was that you had an imbalance chemically and he corrected it is all he did. He healed you. And, and now you see yourself the way you're supposed to see yourself. You, you're beautiful and you're beautiful in his eyes. And now you see that. And it's just, it's amazing when, when we start really listening to him, mm-hmm. truly listening. What are some of the messages lately that mm-hmm. Jesus or the Holy Spirit or God um, has t- told you about um, kind of the state of our culture, culture and world? And what are the things that hurts him the most. And I know you, you spoke about abortion, um, but can you go into that a little bit? Sure. There is without any doubt at all, the, the worst thing that we could do is hurt him through abortion. Because if you stop and think about it, he literally calls your womb the tabernacle. And he was in Mary's tabernacle in, inside of her, her womb. That is supposed to be the safest place for any child ever you know they're the most innocent of innocent and there's nobody nobody to protect them right besides their mom and their dad and when they are hurt mm. it is it, it is so much more penetrating and um and powerful to him than it is at any other age because they can't defend themselves and it it's so plentiful i mean he literally said one time you are the only civilization that has found a way to legalize killing your own, your own children. Then if you go back over 2,000 years since him, he's right. It's only been since like in the 50s, you know, when uh, Roe v. Wade came out and, you know, and that's when birth control and that's when the sex revolution, that's when all this stuff happened, you know, about 70 years ago. And it never, I mean, even with the crusaders and the Romans and people did not kill their young, you know, they just didn't. And, um, and it's so plentiful. There's so, it happens so often. And so there's just no value. There's no, no one has value for the offspring of your womb, you know, and think of Mary. I mean, literally she was the very first tabernacle. She held Jesus inside of her, right? 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing. It is, there's nothing. He calls it river of blood. Um, I've had visions, um, like I can't mm-hmm. even, exp- I mean, I can't even explain them to you. It's so heart horrible that, you know, of body parts flowing down a river of blood. And, you know, it's just immensely painful that little black arms and brown arms and white arms and parts of backs and butts and toes. And it's just, it's, it's, it, it is inhuman. It's totally inhuman. And so that's why they, they don't have a chance, you know? So it is just, there's nothing yeah. like it. It's so inhumane. Yes. Can you kind of go into why it is so important, Mm -hmm. especially as young women, young men who may be listening to our podcast, why it is, especially here and now today to live out your faith and, and to be a light of Christ. Oh yeah. That's easy. We, um, we find ourselves, you know, that doesn't just do things by, by chance. All of you that are listening, and including your, the two of you and myself, God chose that we be born in this period of time. God knew what was going to happen because he is God. And we live in a very, very dark world. We live in a world that is confused. We don't know what is right and what is wrong. We have lost our whole sense of morality. We've lost our whole sense of um, listening to our head, you know, what is right and what is wrong. And so who is light? Christ is light, right? So he's like this huge flashlight. But for that light to spread or a candle, you have to light other people's light, right? So you, the children of God, the people that are listening, have to let your light shine. You know, in the Gospels, it talks about a candle. You don't put it under a basket. You put it out there for all to see, to to take the darkness away. Well, the darkness is evil, and evil is sin, and sin comes from the devil, right? And no one wants to talk about it, but literally, you know, this is the age right now. If you're under 25 years old, that you, I'm talking to you, that's the future of the church. Now, the ones that are over 25 years old, it's not too late either. But the reality is we are all called to do something. Just like the two of you, Taylor and Kay, look what you're doing with this podcast. It doesn't matter if it's large he doesn't care if it's he doesn't he doesn't measure you on touchdowns. He yet he measures you on attempts. How many times did you pick up the ball and try to move it? That's what's important. How many times did you say his name? That's important. How many times do you try to reach out to a neighbor, to somebody next to you? How many times do you open the door? How many times do you smile at somebody at McDonald's? That's what he's measuring. He's not measuring the, the miracles somebody performs. He really isn't. It's about being just gentle and kind. You know, the word tranquility he uses a lot, and we don't use it in our culture at all. But tranquility means joy, peace, and surrender. And that's the definition of the Holy Spirit, is that when you're just filled with a peace and you're happy and they have this joy, and you really, it's almost like a holy indifference. You know, indifference can be bad, but a holy indifference is you really don't care what goes on because all you want is God's will. And so I'm indifferent if I give a talk or I don't give a talk. I'm indifferent if I go somewhere or don't go somewhere. I'm indifferent if I pray over somebody. If I don't, I just want to do his will. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it takes total trusting and total faith to get there, um, to just get to that point. It's like, whatever happens, I want to do your will. And I'm really working on that because I put so much expectations on my life that I need to be doing this and I need to be doing that. And that's where my anxiety comes in. Um, so I really appreciate saying all of that. And I also think there's a skill of discernment there too. When you know, you're know you're saying, I want to do your will all the time whatever it is, I want to do your will. How, Tim, can people make sure that they are listening to God and really discerning and, and following his will? Okay. Yeah. Everybody, every human being is born with a minimum of three voices in your head, right? Um, some people that are schizophrenic have more, but everybody has the voice of themselves. They have the voice of God and they have the voice of the devil. So now let me break that down. When you um, know that you should be cleaning out the garage and I decided to watch a football game, that's that, that's my voice. That's me inside saying, I need to get that done. And then the voice that says, um, you know, call Uncle Howard. And I'm, I'm vacuuming the floor. Well, why is Uncle Howard popping into my mind? The devil's not making him pop in and I'm not making him pop in. So that comes from a holy source. That is God. And then the, the third voice, you know, starts out when you're a child, you know, go ahead and take that extra piece of candy, go ahead and take that, you know, what a toy. And, you know, later it's, you know, go ahead and smoke that weed or, you know, drink the wine or go to that party or, you know, it's that's the, the devil constantly trying to um, entice you into temptation. So it's always three. And I always hold up my three fingers and the middle one finger is I always refer to as Satan, as evil. My pointer finger as God, because God points the way. And my ring finger, that's the third one. And that's me and the world. And I say the world because we have to be able to discern what is actually going on in our head, if it's from our conscience or is it from what we've been reading on the internet. So what we are consuming, what media we consume, what books we're reading, what music we're listening to. But most of the time, well, in fact, all the time, you can break it down to one of those three or two of the three. So you ask yourself, would God be glorified in this? No. So then you can take God out of it. Would the devil be glorified or would he be happy in this? So you break it down. Um, would I be? Is this coming from me or is this coming from God? Or is it coming from both of us? Now, there can be combinations of two, but never can it be God and the devil ever. So many times it'll be God in me or the devil in me. Does that make sense? And the more you do it, it's only three, and those voices are there. Now, the problem is your voice and the voice of the devil, you are very familiar with. You hear the most. The problem is the voice of God is the one you don't listen to as much. That's the one that is trying to tell you to do the good things, right? And how you, how you counter that is by when you do hear it, you stop, you acknowledge it, and you thank him. And the more you stop, acknowledge, and thank him, the more that voice will grow. And our Father, why would he create you and not want to communicate with you? That doesn't make any sense. He wants to communicate with you, and that's what this is how he does it. But we have to develop that skill. It's just like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have to develop them. We have to pull them out. We have to exercise them like anything. And we have to grow closer towards him. It takes our part. So 
what you just said there, Tim, are you saying, I mean, I know you said earlier you have activated your gifts of the Holy Spirit, but are there things that we can do to help activate our gifts? Like, do you have any specific examples, maybe for one or one or two gifts that we could Absolutely. work on? Yeah. Well, the first gift is the gift of tongues. Everybody should work on that. Um, there's typically in churches um, or in prayer groups, there's somebody around either, and not always a priest, a lot of times it's just a, um, a very devout layperson that understands the Holy Spirit. And when it's easier when you pray with somebody who has the gift because it's called impartation and they impart their gifts onto you and help you open your gifts up. And um, you can look this up and Google it, but it is um, actually very easy to do. Um, there's a ton of nuns that do it. Um, so you just kind of contact your churches and find out who has the gifts of um, the Holy Spirit and then go to them, you know, ask them to help you develop yours. It's like, you know, anything you, it's kind of like see one, do one, teach one. You have to be able to talk to somebody, work with, I mean, I do it every day. I mean, yesterday I was with a young man who was 24 or five and, and we prayed that all of his gifts be open. Now, he might not have, the Lord might not open all of them at once because that's pretty rare. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he's going to open up one and then another and then another and another. And the more you use them, the more he's going to open up. Mm. So the most important thing really is finding someone who can help you and and pray into those gifts. Yes. Yeah. Right. And there is, there's charismatic uh, groups all over the country. I mean, everywhere. And you could actually, what I would do is Google charismatic group and then put in uh, within 50 miles or I or whatever, just Google it. You'll be surprised what, what comes up. I mean, and these people now, and it's not just Catholics, right? There's uh, Pentecostals and all kinds of Protestant uh, religions that have the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. Because remember, their baptism is equivalent to ours. And if you're Methodist or Lutheran and you get baptized and you come into the Catholic Church, we don't rebaptize you. That baptism is because of, of a Christian mm-hmm. baptism. So it's not just for mm-hmm. Catholics. Christ, remember, you have to remember that we're his children, all his children. You know, I mean all. And a lot of people don't understand that. But, you know, there's still people in the South America, in the Amazon, that don't know the gospel, that don't know who Jesus is. So are you saying that they're going to go to hell because they didn't have the opportunity to know and love him and serve him? I don't think that's the way our father works. Has he told you anything like along those lines? Well, I know it's said like who is given a lot has to give that much more, something along those lines. Right. To whom much is given, much is it much is expected. And yeah. yes, he, he listen, I'm telling you, he his he has two parts to him. Our father, God the Father, has two parts. It is his mercy and his justice. People like to believe one or the other, but in reality, and this is exactly word for word what he told me, he said, my justice is my mercy, and my mercy is my justice. Let me explain what that means. A father, I'm merciful on my kids, but I'm also just, and I I tell them that there's going to be consequences if they break their a curfew. And the reason I'm doing that is not because I'm mean to them. It's because I love them. 
it's out of love. I'm trying to protect them, see? And so that's where the justice and the mercy come together. Just like, think of God as a very much a parental role, a father, and you'll understand him more. You know, he, he really is. I mean, it's incredible. I'm learning a lot about his um, just and his mercy um, in the diary of St. Faustina that I actually just started last night, um, learning all about it. Um, and the souls of purgatory too, like how many penances that she did for them. Um, and nuns were going to purgatory. That really scared me. <laughs> if nuns are going to purgatory, I better step up my game a little bit. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. We, we don't realize that what we hear is real. I mean, I can't re- I think it was St. Augustine that said the floor of hell is littered with the skulls of ex priests and bishop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. So the, the reality is we, we have to, we mm-hmm. have to take a step. We have to do something. We can't just get by in this world without some type of suffering. I mean, you know, if God allowed his only begotten son to suffer on that wood cross to open up the gates of heaven, do you think he's going to let us have just this wonderful, joyful life and nothing ever go wrong? He says in the Bible, over, he over, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say, Taylor, if you're so inclined, pick up your cross and follow me. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. I mean, he's pretty specific if you listen. Can you go into more on that topic of like suffering? Like, does God want us to suffer? I mean, that's kind of a deep question or, or what, what is the value in suffering? Sure. Um, God wants everybody to be well. God doesn't desire anybody to be sick or to hurt. Okay. Um, That's really, really important. But with that being said, there's something called um, when we suffer, um, we, it is a, it's a way of atoning for not only our sins, but the sins of other people. And, People don't understand. I mean, give me an example. Let's go back about oh, 800 years. If the people at that time would say, oh, the Lord loves me so much that he allowed me to have this, whatever cross it is, so that I may join with him in suffering. So they understood it, that it was um, a great grace to suffer with our Lord and offer that suffering. As a, It's called redemptive suffering is the actual title of it. And through this redemption, we're made better, okay? Well, the sickness that's in the world did not come from God. The sickness in the world and all the problems in the world is a direct result of sin. Well, God doesn't sin. We sin because of our free will. So because of our free will, we sin. And because of sin, there's disease and problems and the world is a mess. And But he says, if you have this, offer it up to me. And I'll make something good come from it, right? So it's kind of like the old verbiage of lemons and lemonade. We offer him up our suffering. Now he says, never go looking for it. Don't go looking for it. Um, But if you have suffering, uh, Mother Angelica on EW10 used to say, even if it's as small as a paper cut or a a sliver, offer it up to the Lord. It doesn't matter what it is. And if you look at everybody who's listening, you have, you know, marital problems or you have relationship problems or you have financial problems or health problems or family problems or, or there's always a problem. And all he's saying is don't 
it's, it's called wasted suffering. Don't waste it. Take it and bind it up literally and give it back to him and let him do something great with it. Does that help you? Yes, Tim, I do. I'm kind of, I want to wrap my mind around this and, and really understand it. When you said that, you know, sickness, he doesn't bring it into the world, but it's a result of sin. You know, I'm just trying, you know, playing a little devil's advocate here. So like, you know, that you hear stories of, you know, the most amazing saintly people getting stage four cancer and dying three months later. Um, I'm just thinking that's probably what our listeners are are thinking right now how do you how do you explain that are you talking about there's just sin in the world because of like adam and eve like it's just no. natural well, that sick. started it. that was right that was the beginning that was the fall because in the beginning guys there literally was a, a bridge between heaven and um the garden of eden you know so it was never intended to be two different spots and and we were not intended to sin we were not intended to have um illness we were not intended to be um, and anything like it is, but because of the evil of, and that's a whole nother story, but the evil of Lucifer and the, and the envy of Lucifer, um, evil entered into our world. And we call that the fall. Well, we have been falling ever since because we choose to sin. We choose to hurt people. And when we hurt people, it hurts not only them, it hurts their family and neighbors. Well, all of this hurting results in disease and, and the disease can come from diabetes to cancer to, I mean, whatever it is, it's just, it's, it's endless. And that is a, God doesn't will us to be sick at all. He has a permitting will and an ordaining will. The permitting will, think of it as things that cross his desk, this saintly person that has stage four cancer and is dying. We don't understand God's mind. And as a human, as a mortal, we're always trying to think, well, I can't make sense of this. And what he tells me is, why are you trying? Why are you trying? Because I never designed you to understand. I that is so far beyond your capabilities of the brain that I put inside of you. The computer, oh, he it refers to it as a computer, but inside of you, you can't. It's impossible. And that's why the church calls them mysteries. There's things, but I can tell you this, that nothing, no sickness, no death of a child crossing the street is not allowed for no reason. There's always a plan. And normally you see the plan in the rear view mirror after something happens, not in the windshield. Mm-hmm. There's always some type of a web, you know, somebody, somebody is benefiting somehow more people. All he's wanting is people to come home. He just wants all of his children. Oh, and by the way, he literally refers to us as children. So if you're 80 years old, nine years old, you're still a child to God. He let the children come to me. Literally. It's it, that's how he sees it. You know, we know we don't age in his eyes. Yeah, I know it is. Wow. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing and loving. And so, I mean, it's, if you could hear his voice and, you know, and if you could see what I see and hear what I hear, you would be on your knees crawling up the center aisle of church to receive him. People would walk hundreds of miles to get close to Jesus, hundreds. People would walk through deserts to get to him, to touch the tassels on his clothes or to even get near him. And we have the opportunity every flipping day to go and hold him in our hands and to receive him 
and to put him into our bodies so that we become one, the unity of Jesus Christ. Listeners, there's nothing in this world more magical than the Mass. It is the most incredible prayer that has ever been said. And if you truly saw what I see, you would run to him and beg for forgiveness and 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 you'd frequent him more and more and more in adoration. Because all he wants, he said he calls it his Eucharistic face. I just want to see my children. Don't bring books, don't bring papers. Come to me and just sit there and love me and let me love you. He says, you know, I know everything about you. I've made you, but you don't know everything about me. So in coming to me, it the purpose of adoration is to adore me, to get to understand the different facets and levels of me. And he's just breaking it down and explaining what he's doing for us. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. I mean, it's incredible. Tim, I feel like you're speaking to me because in adoration, like I have such a hard time just like sitting there. Um, so I always like journal or I'll yep. bring a book or something. <laughs> so when you said don't bring your papers or don't bring your books, I was like, oh gosh, is this like a yeah. sign? Yeah. It's you're you're 100% normal. That's what everybody does because they try to fill the time, right? Because they don't hear him. Well, if they would practice going there and sitting in the silence, he calls it the school of silence, the school of silence, the, this, you know, the specialness of the silence. And in that serenity, you will hear his voice, but you have to practice it like anything. If you got a flute and you wanted to play that music with it, well, it's going to take some time to be able to actually play it right? It's the same thing with hearing our father's voice. It's there. He wants to talk to you, of course. It's just you. It's not his side. It's your side. We have to learn how to listen. And silence is where he speaks to us. You know, if you're good at it, you get used to it. You can hear him in the noise of the world. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I was just thinking about actually that there's, I mean, so many passages in the Bible and you hear God in, in the silence or in the whisper of the wind. It's never in the loud, noisy, you hear him in the whisper of the wind. Yep. You know, if you think of the Trinity, the Trinity, so God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit always come to us gently, patiently. They're not nervous. They're not in a hurry. They literally, it's soft and it's slow and it's loving and it's kindness. If you sense something that is hurried, if you sense anxiety, if you sense something that is moving faster, that's not of God. That's not his MO. That's not how he operates. That's the devil. And think about the world. Think of the chaotic noise. Did God place that there? I think you, especially as a young woman in your 20s, it's the defining decade. You know, you're dating, you're trying to find, if you're called to marriage, you're trying to find a husband or you're trying to get your career started. Um, It can be a very like anxious period of your life, but I love the point that you brought up that it should feel peaceful. It should feel easy. It should, it shouldn't be rushed. Sacred, he calls it sacred silence. School of Silence or Sacred Silence. And in that, he talks to you about you, who you are. You are a daughter of the king. You literally are 
you're, you are a daughter of the king. So that makes you all, all that you are listening to, you are princesses, right? And because you are a princess and you are an heir to the throne, you have an inheritance. And that inheritance is given to you at the moment that you are baptized and brought into the church. And that is called eternity. He wants you to come home to eternity. That is your inheritance. But we make decisions because he gave us this free will. And sometimes it takes us down the wrong path. And what he's trying to do and what our guardian angel is trying to do is to steer us back on the right path so that we inevitably at the end come home. You're, you're, you're daughters of Christ. You are daughters of God. And you need to know, all of you need to know your value your worth, your beauty. You need to know and understand what he literally, how he thinks of you. Each and every, every single woman, every single woman is beautiful in his eyes. He doesn't make crap. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make things that are not beautiful. Now to us, we judge and we say, okay, this woman is larger than this one, or this one is this or that. But go to a museum and look at paintings they're all different. They're all special. They're all valuable, but they're all different. That's what God does. Some are black, some are brown, some are white, some are, are it doesn't matter. It does not matter. God, it's, if you would understand the value of who you are and the dignity of who you are, it's, you know, he talks about over and over about virginity and chastity and the, the revelance. I mean, it's so important you know, and how special it is and to, to cherish it and to know that you are the daughter of a king. You should act. One time he told me, he said, you're the son of a king. Why aren't you acting like it? You need to start acting. He literally scolded me. Tim, I don't know why this popped up to, into my head, um, but can you talk about like the difference, you know, like Christianity, like belief alone will is like we as Catholics like go into that, why we believe that we have to have belief plus works equals salvation. And has he said anything to you about works and how that plays into our salvation? Yes, yes, I can definitely. What you're referring to is something called sole fide and sole scriptura. And it's Latin, and it means scripture alone, or script, or scripture, and works. And um, the Bible that we all use was one Bible for the first fifteen hundred years. And in that Bible, there were verses that said this over and over. And then during the Protestant Reformation, Calvin and Luther and many of them disagreed with parts of it, so they literally removed seven books of the Bible. Um, Luther did not like the ideas of purgatory. So in the second book of Maccabees, it referred to praying for the dead. Well, if you don't believe in purgatory, the dead are either in hell or in heaven. So why are you praying for them, right? And so that dispelled. So he literally took that book out and he called that the epistle of straw because it wasn't even worth straw and it should be burnt. So they literally reformed the, formulated the Bible. It's called a canon. And they, um, so that's where we have the, you know, King James Version comes out. And so a lot of Protestants don't even realize who started their church. The only church that was started by Jesus Christ, the only church that was started by Jesus Christ, is the Catholic Church. Is it perfect? No. Heck no. It's has full of sinners, right? So how could it be perfect? But we do have a direct line of successors to Peter all the way back. 
And the same thing goes with the Eastern Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox and the Ukrainians. And, you know, um, you know, it's people, the problem is people just don't understand their faith. They don't, they, they don't know. And Jesus wants us, I mean, come on, think common sense. Would he say, Taylor, Kay, just be good people, stay in your apartments and pray. And that's good enough. I'll take care of all the rest. You don't have to go out and work. You don't have to go out and do anything. You don't have to go out and be kind or open doors or talk to people that are hurting. You don't have to feed the poor. You don't have to do anything. You just take care of yourself and pray to me. Does that make sense? Well, that kind of brings up a point, Tim. Like when I went to college, I was literally shopping around for other faiths because there was a point in my life where I'll try this other stuff out. Like all my friends were going to it and track. It was like a sense of community. And when I did these these, I don't know, salt, I don't want to call it out because I'm sure there's there's a lot of good people in there. But it was like we all come together and we worship and we, and, and we sing and like that's enough. But like no one was like going out, um, which really put, you know, made me meet up with Father Shetta and like, okay, what makes us different about Catholics? Like why should I stay in this church? Like I really put him on the spot. Um, but that's just something that I love about the Catholic faith that we believe in works too. Not to say that those people don't do really great things in their life, other Christians, but um, I don't think it's like enough to like, yes, I believe. Yes, I like pray and I and I sing with others, but you're not doing anything for, for other people. You're talking about community. Important, but if, if you really stop and think this through, I want to be really clear on this one. I want, if you're questioning it, I want you to Google the word Eucharistic miracles. And I want, there's books and books out there on Eucharistic miracles. And the very first one, it happened in Lanciero, France. And I think seven, I can't remember the year, 729, I believe. And it's been happening and happening, happening for years. So if the Eucharist, if the host literally turns to blood, flesh and blood, why does that only happen in the Catholic church? Mm-hmm. I've always wondered too, why is it only Catholic priests that, you know, do exorcisms and that kind of thing? Like, I, I just think that speaks to the truth of our faith. Right. We have sacraments. The sacraments are the meat. You know, they have Bible and they have scripture studies and they have community and they are wonderful people. I, in fact, my whole family the, on the Jameson side is all Lutherans and they're the most incredible people. But what they're missing is they don't have all the sacraments that we have. We're spoiled, rotten brats, to be real honest with you. We, we have a whole lot. We're entitled and we don't even realize it. That's the truth. We don't even know what we have. But I can tell you, I do this through. Isn't it ironic that the people who are demonic, the people who follow the devil, the people that have black masses, the people that are into Wicca and the witches and warlocks, they're all real. To have a black mass, the highest form of their praise to the devil, what do they have to have? They have to have a host, the Eucharist from the Catholic Church. That is what is sacrificed on their altar. So even the evil, they know, we, they understand and recognize what it is more than we do as Catholics. Now, isn't that ironic? Wow. 
I've never thought of that, but it makes so much sense. Like they believe that is Jesus. Like that is the one thing. Wow. And a lot of us believe are just know. consuming when we take the Eucharist. I've never heard of that. Uh, the more that I've right. really been diving into my faith, like when the priest holds up the, the Eucharist or whatever, like I can't help but like tear up now. Like I feel so connected at mass now. Um, just comes from learning and understanding my faith. Let me explain something to you. I heard this from a very holy priest. There was somebody who was suffering from the loss of a loved one. And he explained to her, he said, your husband, you will never be closer to your husband than you are at mass. And she said, I don't understand. He said, because at the elevation of the Eucharist, when the priest holds it up and it transforms, we don't see it. We just see the host. But on the backside of that, same mass and all the people in heaven seeing it, they see Jesus. Well, at that, there's a glimpse that we literally get to see into heaven and they are there. Our loved ones are there at that mass and we are on this side and the veil is between the two and you will never get closer on this earth to your past loved ones than at that exact moment. Wow. That just gives me chills thinking about it. Like you said earlier, I think we take mass for granted. I mean, if we only knew what was happening, if we fully understood what was happening. Yes. I, I, I encourage your listeners to go out and Google the veil removed, the veil removed. It's about a literally three minute video on what happens actually at the mass. And you will mm-hmm. see what actually happens. And Kay I showed me that actually a few months ago um, or when we were starting this podcast. She was like, you have to see this. Um, it was chilling. <laughs> it was super cool. Yeah. It's emotional too, for sure. Yeah. And it's ba- it's based on someone. The, the lady that started that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, multiple, multiple people. Yeah, yeah it was the, the woman that started it. Um, her name is Chris Magruder, and um, I've been spiritually directing her for a dozen years, and she's a very holy woman and a very good woman. And our Lord literally walked her through the process and told her how to do it and then brought people into her that have seen it, actually, and they all described the exact same thing over and over and over again. So they hired a crew out of California, film crew. They shot it in Chicago at a church there. And they kept changing it to make sure that the people that saw it would agree that that's exactly what they saw. And it's, it's real. Wow. I think we'll put that link in our show notes because if you haven't seen that video, you really need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's life changing. And now it's in multiple languages. I think eight, eight or 10 languages. Mm, That's great. Well, Tim, is there any um, final advice to our listeners? Yes, I do. All he wants, all he wants is your friendship. We don't understand. We think it's so formal. The Pharisees didn't get it. The Sadducees didn't get it. We don't get it. All he wants is a relationship, a friendship. And like all friendships that are truly meaty and fleshy, not plastic. They start with some point of vulnerability when you were vulnerable with a friend. 
and told them things about you that you've not told anybody else. Go to him. Go to him. He already knows. Talk to him. Sit with him. Share with him. Build that relationship. Just start that relationship. The reason I tell you this, and it's so important, is that is the only thing you will take with you when you die and hopefully go to heaven. You won't meet Jesus and say, hi, I'm Tim Jameson, and it starts all over. My relationship with Christ is built every single moment of every single day, and it doesn't disappear. It continues in heaven, and that's what he wants from all of us. It's called divine intimacy. It's being his divine, his divinity and our humanity coming together. Wow. And that's all. That's all he wants from us. Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, This is only the second time we've talked, but both times I've learned so much from you. And I'm sure that everyone on the line that has been listening today has learned so much. Um, Really... Soul sisters out there, if this touched you, we encourage you to to share it with your friend, share it with someone who might be struggling in their faith, who needs to hear these words. This conversation has just been such a blessing. And again, we are just so thankful you were on the show. You are such a blessing from God and you are setting the world ablaze. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you so much. I I would appreciate prayers. The only thing I always ask for is prayers. Prayers are like blocks of gold. If you understood, you you would be collecting them. Prayers are incredible in heaven. So if you would pray for me, I would appreciate it.